BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Before we get to today's episode with George Sedano, we want to introduce you to one of our newest partners, which, like us, is Pure South Florida. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all of your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street in Doral, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years of complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is also available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 or come into the dealership, you work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go. And now, on with the show. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Winningham. If you're an Apple person, you can find us on iTunes. If you're Android, the best way is Google Play. We're also on cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher and CastBox. And check out the other podcasts in our network. That includes Miami Heat Beat, which will have a lot of coverage here around the NBA draft and into free agency. Three Yards Per Carry, our Dolphins podcast. Balls Cast, which is our Miami politics, sports, culture, humor pod, and Pitch Invasion, hosted by my co-host here, Chris Whittingham, who's going every other day during the course of the World Cup. And also, make sure you check out our library, because you will find that latest episode we did with Udonis Haslam, our Heat Stories episode, definitely worth the 45 minutes. All right, this is a first for us here on the show, Chris. Um, Our first two-time guest on the Five Reasons podcast. So, George Sedano, we've gotten through about 65 episodes at this at this point. You are the first person we've actually brought back. You're in reruns already. This is what happens <laughs> when you become big time. You don't have to do a new, fresh episode every time. You're now in, you know, along the likes of, uh, you know, Jimmy Friends. Kimmel and those. Well, no, well, I was actually thinking more of a talk show format. But mm. okay, yeah. Friends works too. I mean, I I don't know if you guys are making a million dollar an episode like they were at the peak, but you know, whatever. We'll take the syndication. I mean, look, the Jeffersons was in syndication, still is, right, for like forty five years. I mean, there's oh man, yeah, you can find it. Yeah, Yeah, you could absolutely find it somewhere on your guide for sure. You only know that because Perk watches all that stuff. 
Yeah, actually, no. in the in the studio, Sedano, when we used to do the radio show with with Perk. It was like if you wanted to distract Perk, you just turned the Jeffersons on. Yeah, no, it, it was it was Sanford and Son. Sanford oh, Sanford and Son. Was, was oh, his oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lamont. <laughs> Blame for typecasting. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Good. Lamont and his pink pickup truck. Yeah, for sure, man. That was the Grady. <laughs> Grady was the best worst neighbor of all time. I feel like I am actually stunned though that you uh, are having us record this podcast while Notre Dame is playing soccer right now against Tunisia. <laughs> it's how you know, by the way, that I don't schedule these, that uh, Ethan did not consider the implications of the World Cup going on when scheduling this interview, but I will be distracted, but hopefully able to contribute something coherent. Well, and people are wondering, why is Notre Dame playing Tunisia? <laughs> it's, it's just in- England is my comp. Notre Dame is my comp to England, where, you know, they kind of invented the thing, so they're supposed to be the great team. But they're really not that good anymore. And yeah, that's we kind of expect them to be good, but they're just not. That's Actually, what they that are. describes the team we're going to talk about first here on the podcast. Oh, look at you. <laughs> well, first or second on the podcast, actually. What if, what if they're the Miami Heat of season. international football? How about that? <laughs> that's a way to weave it in. <laughs> that is a way to weave it in. All right, that's quite a segue. And now I understand uh, that text I got from Winningham asking if we were taping you at 2.30 today. I realized that was actually a passive-aggressive text. I did not read it when it came in. All right, let's get to it, Sonano. So here's what we're going to do today. Uh, We've got the draft coming up here on Thursday, but I don't feel like many people in Miami really care because Pat Riley has already sworn off the draft. He told us he does not care about young players. He does not care about the draft. They do not have a pick this year because of the Goran Dragic trade. So, Sonano, that sounds like a source of frustration for you. Oh, my God. I mean, it's one of – look, man, I'm ride or die with Pat, right? But this is one of those moments where it's like a seminal moment between him and I. Not that I'm, like, surprised at this, but to just blatantly say it the way he said it at that post-presser, I I just was stunned. Like, how do you say it like that? In an era where clearly those picks are assets, you find yourself in a situation where you don't have any, and you've given them all away. And, oh, by the way, when the league potentially lets high school players in again, you're not going to have a pick that year either in 2021 which could be like a crazy draft because you get the uh, one-and-dones with the high school guys. It's one of the few aspects of Pat's tenure here that I've never understood. And, uh, you know, Chris, I know you feel that way. Ethan definitely feels that way because he and I have had this conversation for a decade, basically. There's no question about it. And and you mentioned that draft is going to be a tremendous draft in 2021 if the NBA decides not to do the one-and-done thing anymore and lets guys just come in. So let's start with Pat here. What we're going to do during this episode, George, is we're going to talk about five different executives in the NBA. Pat Riley, Magic Johnson, Greg Popovich, Danny Ainge, and Daryl Morey. And I know Pop is not technically the general manager in San Antonio. It's R.C. Buford, but obviously uh, Pop is the key figure there. And we're going to look at these five guys in terms of where their organizations are and where they are at this point in their executive careers and what they need to do. So let's start with Pat. We brought him up at the very beginning. I was actually referencing the Lakers when I was talking about an organization that is supposed to be good that hasn't been in a while, but it could apply to the heat if they don't sort of figure things out here this offseason. So you mentioned the draft. That's been obviously a longstanding disagreement that some of us have had, you know, as far as the way Riley has perceived the draft. I mean, after all, they've been reasonably decent at it lately. Like they did get Josh Richardson 40th overall in 2015. And Josh Richardson is third highest in that draft out of everybody drafted in terms of value over replacement player. So they did pretty well in that one, regardless of what you think of the Justice Winslow pick. But they don't have picks. But the other problem here, George, and we've discussed it, it's not just that they don't have picks, but that Pat's gotten away from his core philosophy, the one that we could always believe in, which is 
to give himself flexibility from a cap standpoint. And he mm-hmm. didn't do that last summer. We've sort of outlined ad nauseum on the pod what we think they should have done, which was just sign guys to one-year contracts again, take a shot on a guy like a Tyreek Evans or a Jeff Green instead of signing Deion Waiters and James Johnson to long-term deals, and then sort of count on Spo to coach those guys up to 42 wins. I think the big problem here overall, George, is that I don't think Pat's given Eric enough credit. And I don't mean like in terms of public statement. I mean in terms of recognizing that Spolstra made those players better than they really are. And I think by not recognizing that, I think he's put himself in a box here. And George, I'm just going to leave it to you and then we'll go to Chris. How does he get himself out of that box? Man, it's going to be unbelievably difficult. I really think that Pat has put himself in a situation where I don't know if there's an easy solution because, look, I talked to people during the playoffs about their situation, right? Like I even was talking to somebody that, covers the league really closely, okay? And I don't want to, and they're not at my company. And this person, I was trying to run by them in some bar in Utah, (laughs) what Miami could do as far as maybe getting, let's say, even something like Carmelo, right? Could the Heat offer the Oklahoma City Thunder anything to get Carmelo, who's clearly disgruntled, and that way the Heat maybe can trade some contracts for a contract that's going to expire, And I got met with laughter. Like, they're like, who is he going to give up? Tyler Johnson? Like, why would would Sam Presti give up one year of Carmelo, as tough as it may be, for multiple years of Tyler Johnson or Hassan Whiteside or James Johnson or any of those guys? And my thing was, my response was, well, look, it's going to be hard to get guys in Oklahoma City. So at least it gives you real role players, guys who are good role players you can play around Russ. Because the team to build around Russell Westbrook is a modern-day version of that Sixers team that went to the finals. Three and D players and one great star, because that's, to me, the way you maximize Russ. And again, met with laughter. Like, zero chance Sam Presti would do that. Now, to me, I felt like that was something that Evan Cohen brought up to me that I thought, you know what, maybe it's plausible. But this is a person that knows Sam really well and told me there's zero chance. So when I heard that, for a team that struggles to get free agents, to not value the Heat's role players at that price, I knew that the Heat were sunk. Because that, to me, was something that made some sense. And I was met with complete resistance, like this is a ridiculous notion. So I was surprised by that. And that's when I knew that they were in trouble. I don't know is the answer. Unless the Heat take on bad contracts, like more bad contracts, that's the only way out of this. And I know that sounds crazy, but Evan Cohen and I have had this conversation recently. Now, I think it's nuts. It's very anti what Pat does because the conversation started with, well, if you take all the bad contracts, you're getting first round picks with them. And I said, yeah, except Pat doesn't value your first round picks. <laughs> so, so you're just kind of in this circle jerk where you're not really doing what Pat would want to do. And so with that said, I just don't see an easy fix. I think they're just stuck in mediocrity for the next couple of years. Um, Because there's not even a team that you can dump Hassan Whiteside to and say, oh, okay, you know, we'll just take back a second rounder because there's not a lot of teams with cap space. (laughs) So there's just not that. Like, there's not even a team that can afford it. would you want to use it on Hassan Whiteside? Right. That's the other aspect of it. But even if there was, let's just say, the numbers are so small with teams that can even afford him that it's just a non-starter. So Pat has backed himself into a corner unlike anything I've ever seen. Ethan, you and I remember when he brought back that team that won the 2006 title 
um, which you famously wrote, I believe, in bo- in six-inch headlines. Now, I'm just stealing that from Jimmy Johnson, who once you, you know used that as a quote. Uh, but you wrote that that team had zero chance of winning a championship. Now, they did. You were right, though, eventually, because the next year they were a total flop. Right after um, the parade, right. Yes, right after you, the parade, I was right. You were right after the parade. <laughs> after um, after but, Antoine Walker's four-month drinking binge, you were right. 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 <laughs> so so I, I do think that this is – Similar to that, but worse. Like, I thought that was Pat's worst mistake. Because you can make the case that Pat has had a lot of bad luck, right? From Jawan Howard, you know, that thing, the way it went uh, down. No, hold, on, hold on, I'm going to stop you there because I had a conversation with somebody about this yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. Okay. That, that was actually not bad luck. I'm going to give you the Bosch thing, obviously. Um, bad, bad accounting is what you're just saying? No, then? no, no. That was a good break for the franchise. Like, that one has been mischaracterized completely. Think about it. They gave Jawan crazy money, right? They gave Jawan, I think, it was almost the same contract they, gave, they offered Zoe while they were bringing in P.J. Brown. And so the question at the time that I had, and this was very early on in me covering that team, was uh, how are these three guys going to fit exactly? And this was in a different era when you could actually play a couple bigs together. Right. Like, how are they going to make Alonzo Mourning, Jawan Howard, and P.J. Brown all work together? Like, there was talk about playing P.J. at the three. Now, you know I love P.J. P.J. was one of my two or three favorite guys I ever covered on that team. P.J. Brown was not a small forward. Like, that was right. not going to work. So the reality of that move, I, it's interesting you brought this up because I just talked to somebody about this yesterday. If that doesn't happen, um, that team's a mess. Like, they needed Jawan to be taken away because what they did with that money was they went out and signed Dan Marley, who was cheaper and a much better fit in terms of the lineup. And then they put PJ at the four and he was a 35 minute a game player. So you go with your bad luck list, but actually I think that was good luck in terms of what happened with Jawan. Okay. But ultimately what I meant by bad luck is Pat's plan not, was not foiled. according to plan. Yeah. Right. It was foiled for one reason or another. And in this particular case, it was the league and the accounting of it all. Okay. I'm looking at Jawan's salaries back then. It actually, I mean, I guess for this day and age, they're pretty high salaries, right? 9.75 million. 11, 13, 15, 16, 18, 20. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so with that said, all right, we can use Juwan or not. But anyway, so the Juwan Howard thing, clearly the Zoe Kidney thing, right? Because he was rebuilding that team after getting rid of your boy, Jamal Mashburn, after the Clarence Weatherspoon debacle. And then and he brought in Mace and Brian Grant and Eddie Jones. And it was supposed to be those three guys with Timmy and Zoe. And that team probably could have contended yeah. in the East and probably would have gone to the finals if everyone was healthy. Cause I believe if I recall correctly, Zoe the year before finished third in MVP voting behind second. second. Was it second? Yeah. He was second. Behind, was that behind? I believe he was Malone. behind Carl Malone. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Jordan finished second for whatever reason, but okay. Either way he was in the conversation for MVP and a legit conversation. So I thought that they could go to the final. So that's bad luck. And then there's the Bosch stuff. So he's had some bad luck in these scenarios. But this is his own doing. Like he, as you mentioned, got duped, unlike I've ever seen him get duped before. And whether it's he doesn't give Eric enough credit, or he fell in love with this notion that Dion Waiters was a, a high lottery pick and maybe they can cultivate him uh, unlike anyone else. Maybe they just believed, for lack of a better term, and you can bleep this out, that their <laughs> didn't stink, right? Because it's heat culture. He's really put himself in a bind, man. Like, I look at their roster and I say to myself, even the guys that other teams would want, Josh Richardson, maybe Justice, and Bam, like, are they really guys, though, that teams are going to covet? I mean, they're nice players. They're not great players. Now, 
Obviously, with Bam, he's way too young to figure out what he is. But I think he projects to be a good starter in this league. And that's cool. But ultimately, I I don't know if that's enough to go get you the whale that Pat wants. Or what did he call it recently at that uh, press conference? Transformational uh, players? Transformative players or transformational Transformative, transformational, whatever. Transformer. He wants a Transformer. He wants Optimus <laughs> Prime, okay? Or Megatron. And he's LeBron, not getting... Or LeBron in his prime. And we'll, right. One of, one of yeah. those things will work. <laughs> yeah, but with the pieces he has, like, he's not getting any of that, which is why the draft thing is just mind-boggling to me. Like, it's unreal that he looks at this roster and somehow thinks he can flip this. And that's the thing that I always get a ton of stick for is that a lot of people say to me, you know, because I, I listen to a lot of national analysis on the Heat, and I think a lot of people look at them and go, they're stuck. And it, to me, the thing that blew my mind was a year ago when we were going through the Olenek, the Waiters, and the James Johnson signings that everyone's saying, oh, they have flexibility, right? Flexibility to either trade these guys now or in four years we'll have flexibility. It's like you just gave away every opportunity you have, right? So, like, if the Heat had a max salary space, you don't think they'd be in a room with Paul George like you don't of think course they would they have an yes. opportunity to go and sign him like the fact that Pat just gave that away for and it's frankly decisions over two and three years with Tyler Johnson and Whiteside and then these most recent ones like I'm just surprised that they've gone and done that and then like and yesterday I'm getting you know they, there's value in having you know expiring contracts at the level that the Heat will have them next year and maybe there is but like the value in an expiring contract is either to take someone else's bad contract or with with the incentive of picks and if Pat Riley doesn't want them then what's the point point? and so I just don't know what the Heat's maneuverability is outside of free agency and then they took themselves out of free agency with these long-term deals this is a mediocre team I said it a year ago and I took so much for it that this is a six seed maybe a seven seed for the foreseeable future with no path out and I just don't know what Pat Riley can do other than maybe continue to try and eat it or get the luck we talked about bad luck maybe there's good luck in a in a, in a free agent or a major superstar saying I will only opt in if you trade me to Miami and we're like, like 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 one of those Chris Paul kind of deals right and Brian Winhorst said that a while ago a few maybe a few months ago he said that at some point someone's gonna do that someone's gonna say I want to play in Miami now I just don't know if that's now and look maybe that's what he's waiting for I don't know maybe it's Anthony Davis in 2021 I don't know but all I'm saying is that's still a long time away from now and Pat is what 72 73 what is he now 73 I believe yeah so I mean that that's a long time but the larger point, George, on this is, and this is where I understand what Windhorse is saying, and that has been Riley's MO. But the problem now is LA is viable again. Right. LA is viable again. And see, one yeah. of the advantages that Miami has had in recent years is that you had a downslope Kobe, a severely downslope Kobe, and a guy who, and a guy in Kobe who, a little bit like Westbrook now, is not somebody that other players were dying to play with. Yeah. Now that's cleaned out. The cap's cleaned out. Jim Buss is cleaned out. Magic is in charge. And L.A. is, and that's not my, I know you live out there now. We can get into a debate of L.A. versus Miami. I lived out there for a year. L.A. is not my thing. I prefer Miami. But it's certainly in the same ballpark. I mean, it's, you can make a case that NBA players would like to play in L.A. as much as they would like to play in Miami. And there has not been that kind of threat 
to the heat during this period of time. And so that's to me, that's where it's different. Like, why is somebody going to force their way to Miami? Look, look at the situation right now. You don't have a star to play with. I mean, they don't. And I love Goran Dragic. OK, but they don't have a top 25 player. You can argue they don't have a top 30 player. I mean, Goran made the all star team as the 15th guy right in the weaker conference. OK, so. They may need to flip Josh Richardson or Dragic to be able to get out of cap hill right now. So you don't have that pull. And again, now you have another franchise in another sort of warm, comfortable climate with a lot of pretty people, okay, in Los Angeles. And so I just, that's why I look at it from this perspective and I say, so what's the pull? And then you look also at the Heat's front office situation where you figure Magic is going, and I can't believe we're saying this, and it's great considering what happened in 1991, but you figure Magic's going to be in charge for a while in Los Angeles. And we don't know that Riley's going to be in charge. You just had a team come after Battier, and I'm I'm guessing the Heat probably made him some kind of a promise to stay, but it's not as clear as the situation in L.A. right now. So all of those things together, George, and we're going to transition to Lakers. I don't know if a player is going to want to force themselves to Miami at this stage. Sure, and I'll give you that. And here's the thing, looking back at it, I think I understood what Pat and Mickey and Nick and Andy were trying to do. I didn't agree with it. But I kind of sort of understood. I think they, what they did was they miscalculated um, the market. By giving these contracts all within the range of, you know, 10 to $15 million, they thought those were movable contracts in the new NBA. But here's the thing. They also didn't bank on the fact, and they should have, because history tells you that this was going to happen, that everyone was going to splurge and spend their money and probably spend it poorly. And that's why you only have four or five teams with real cap space now. Now, granted, the cap is supposed to go up again after next season. So, you know, maybe there's some flexibility there. So if I'm Miami, I'm really, if you strike out this year, you have to try to make something happen next offseason when you still have guys like Jimmy Butler, uh, when Kyrie will be available. Um, there's going to be guys that you can still have. I just think it's, a, I mean, an absolute long shot for them to land anyone this season, but they'll always be in the conversation, Ethan. Look, again, I spent three months on the road and as much laughter as I got about some of the potential deals I was trying to siphon off on people just to see what they thought, they all did say something similar to what Brian said, Miami will always get somebody at some point. It may not happen this year, but within the next couple of years, somebody's gonna go there. I want to tell you about a new sponsor to Five Reasons, and that is Vesa Sewer Brewing Company. It is a Miami-born craft brewery with Latin American roots. I can actually tell you from a personal point of view, I go to Vesa Sewer after every Thursday night after my weekly soccer game that I play with some of my friends. We go to Wynwood, we hang out at Vesa Sewer. I personally prefer the Mango Blonde they serve there. It's a terrific beer. They're pouring craft beers in Wynwood from Tuesday to Sunday. If you're looking for a place to watch the World Cup, Look no further. Vesa Sewer will be hosting World Cup watch parties with great brews and good vibes. Check them out at VesaSewer.com. That's V-E-Z-A-S-U-R.com or at VesaSewer Brewing Co. So again, VesaSewer.com, a terrific brewery in Wynwood. Check them out. All right, let's move to the Lakers now because, you know, when we had you on a pod a couple months ago, we talked about how Magic Johnson was following the Pat Riley playbook when Pat Riley isn't necessarily following the Pat Riley playbook. So now 
the Lakers are in position. That was, I think we, we did that pod, I think even before they made the Jordan Clarkson trade. So they, mm-hmm. they've, they've cleared out that money. I mean, Cleveland helped them clear out a bad contract, which is just amazing to me. And by the way, they gave him a first round pick to do it. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> how, that's, that's how desperate they were for a guy who really shouldn't even have been on the court in the playoffs. Cause he was just, he was kind of unplayable actually. So if you look at the contract situation, You've got Luol Deng making 18. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to try to move that if they want to clear out another max deal, potentially. Lonzo's making seven and a half. Brandon Ingram's making nearly six. Kuzma is on a great deal. I mean, less than $2 million. Josh Hart's on a great deal, less than $2 million. So those are the core contracts they're bringing back. I guess we have to start with the big question here, um, which is LeBron, which we've talked about on every pod. Your feeling, and you've been out in LA long enough to kind of get a taste of it. I, here's one question I have about LeBron going to Los Angeles is that Kobe fans, more like Kobe stands, um, I think would make LeBron's life miserable out there. Uh, that's just my perception from afar because they're totally irrational. Like they, they, there are a lot of them who still believe Kobe was a better player than LeBron, which I, I there's just no statistical evidence to back that up at this stage. You, you put numbers in front of Kobe fans and it's, I mean, I don't want to get political here, but it's kind of like putting facts in front of, you know, certain political supporters. Like it's just, they just don't buy it. Like you give them the clutch numbers and all that. And I just wonder if LeBron going to LA, whereas LeBron going to say Philly. And I just wonder, is that going to be a fun experience for him? I mean, are, are Laker fans, if, if he, goes to Los Angeles are they going to embrace him from the beginning or are they going to be questioning everything he does I think it's going to be a mixed bag Um, I mean it's a mixed bag on radio um, whether it's you know the few calls we take or the the stuff we receive via social media it's a mixed bag and by the way and this is something we talked about on radio out there or out here which is (laughs) Kobe's been kind of egging this on lately right like he hasn't made it easy even when he tried to make it easy on him he didn't when he said the, when he, the original tweet of, you know, stop comparing, just enjoy Michael's six, enjoy my five, and enjoy LeBron's quest, all those hashtags. And it was kind of like, well, wait a second. Why did you insert yourself in this conversation? You know what I mean? Because he thinks like, he's this, better than LeBron. He does think he's better than LeBron. So there's that. So, and then there was the other stuff when he did the Alex Kennedy podcast on Hoops Hype when he said that, you know, when you come, if you come to L.A., like, you got to win championships with an S. Like, already setting the bar on an old LeBron who will be 34 by the time the season starts, rolling into L.A. Like, hey, man, one ain't enough. Like, you got to be able to at least pull off two. So, you know, little by little, you know, Kobe has been doing these things to kind of get at LeBron and kind of rally his base, right? If we're going to use a political uh, analogy. And yeah, it's working. It's working. And that might be the thing that, and Woe just talked about this, that kind of gets at LeBron. But here's the thing. Kobe's involvement with the team, I mean, it's basically zero. They will call him and ask him occasionally to do stuff, but he has no day-to-day involvement. And at the end of the day, Ethan, the sell should be this if you're magic. Like, man, forget about Kobe. Kobe's not here. We love Kobe. But this is about you and the new era of the Lakers. And this is about me and you creating a partnership. So, look, I just think that that stuff, while I think it plays a factor, I don't think at the end of the day it'll be the biggest factor. I think LeBron wants to go to the team that's best equipped to beating the Warriors. And if it so happens to be the Lakers in their same you know, division or conference, not the divisions even matter anymore, but in the same conference – then so be it. If the Lakers find a way, which I find, I think this part is going to be hard, but 
if Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron end up on the Lakers, that team can beat the Warriors. So that to me is the most important thing is who is he going to be surrounded by? That's the question. The Lakers have assets. And Brandon Ingram is going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. I think he can be an all-star caliber player. And I think if you put him in the Spurs system, you may be able to duplicate some of the Kawhi stuff in time. Not right out of the gate, but he certainly had a, uh, a much better second season than he did in his first. In his first, he was really bad. But you know what? Paul George wasn't great in his first season either. I do think the Lakers have some attractive pieces. And I think what maybe Popovich is just doing some gamesmanship here with them and just trying to get everything he can while the Lakers are probably only willing to go so far. I don't know what you guys, how you guys feel about that. Like, do you honestly believe now Ethan, you've been around pop maybe more than the, than me and Chris and uh, some of your experiences haven't been so great. If I recall correctly, my question was too trite. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can tell that story in a second if you want, but the, um, like, do you believe him when he says he'll only trade him to the East? Because well, I, mean, I think that's a stupid ideology to live by. I say you take the best deal regardless of who it's from. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about him next, but let's just let's just combine him here uh, with the magic thing since it certainly plays into it. I think it's a stupid ideology, and I, I don't really understand why teams even pay any attention to that. I mean, what is the difference? Like, you're talking about, you're talking about one round, essentially, this whole idea of not trading a guy inside your conference. And as you mentioned, division doesn't matter at all anymore. So, I mean, I don't even know who's in what division anymore. Like, nobody pays attention to that. So, as far as the conference... I mean, I, look, I can see him not wanting to, like, say, send him to Golden State and, and you know, and, right. and, and make right. it impossible for him to catch them. But, but otherwise, you just try to get the best deal for your franchise. Now, when I, when I look overall and I say, where can he get the best assets? You know, the place he can get the best assets Boston. is Austin. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and, and we're going to talk about Ainge too, but I mean, that's where, you know, that's where he can get the most back because Boston has the most to offer. And in Jalen Brown and in, uh, in Jason Tatum, although I don't think Boston's going to move Tatum, they have two guys who can replicate a lot of Kawhi's skill sets. So it, they can run a lot of the same stuff they were running with Kawhi. You know, the other guy they could look at, but I don't think Boston's going to trade him because I, I just think the relationship with Brad Stevenson is a bad look. But Gordon, I mean, you could look at Gordon. Gordon would be great in the, in the San, great in the San Antonio system if he's healthy. So I think that Boston can put together a combination of players and picks that other teams can't. I mean, Ingram is an interesting possibility, but as far as the thing with the Lakers, I mean, I don't know. They had battles through the years. I know it got ugly with Phil. Phil's not there anymore. I mean, he's not even with Jeannie Buss anymore. <laughs> like, it's, right, I, right, it's, right. It's, right. it's not. Right. I, Jeannie, Jeannie is dating Jay Moore, the comedian. Really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, things you learn on this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't, I mean, I just think you, you try to get the most you can for him. And Kawhi's made it a little bit challenging by, you know, the fact that he would have to sign a, you know, I think most teams would want him to commit in some way if he's going to go there. But, you know, as far as the Lakers situation, well, I look at it a little bit deeper here. I say, I right, so what if LeBron doesn't come? Like, what if he and I, I keep making the case for Philly and beating my head against the wall with that. We'll see if I end up being right. But let's say let's say LeBron does not come. What does Magic do then? Does he just say Paul George is the best player we can get and he wants to be here and we're going to build around him? Because I don't look at Paul George as a one. OK, here, here, here's my guess at what the plan is just from talking to people and kind of piecing it all together. I think that they would, if Paul George was willing to come, they would sign him and they would sign, they would fill the rest of their, they would keep the young guys clearly. And then they would look to sign one year. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Deals to allow them the flexibility to go at it again in 2019. And I think that that's kind of the way that they would go about it. Now, look, could there be something out there they would want? I mean, there was some, I had heard that there was some uh, smoke to them being interested in Damian Lillard, potentially, uh, if Kawhi wasn't available to them, and that maybe they would pair Lillard, LeBron, and Paul George. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't know how dead that is, because that was also, I had heard that prior to Kawhi, you know, being available, like really being available, before the report came out from Chris Haynes and Sham Sharania, uh, and Woj subsequently with the follow-up stuff. So I could see that. And I, I actually think Dame and LeBron and Paul George would fit pretty well together, to be honest with you. Um, and in that deal, I had heard that it would be Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Luol Deng to make the money work and, their, and the first round pick. Um, and then you'd still keep Kuzma and Hart, who will be really good role players in this league. And um, it, Kuzma might be better than that. So I, I thought that that, that made some sense. Um, but now the Kawhi thing has kind of thrown everyone uh, kind of off the scent. But that was something I had heard. And I had heard that it was definitely being explored. Not strong enough where I feel like I could go and report it and put it on the scroll. But I've heard enough where I, I know that there's been some sniffing around potential. Can, can I make a couple of points on the Kobe stands, if you don't mind? Sure, go ahead. Uh, so the first one was, I, so I heard Howard Beck. So Howard Beck actually wrote the Jordan v LeBron piece but I did it in a way that a lot of people haven't which is basically going to every big player that was at the finals or hanging around the finals and asking them about it and he asked Kobe about it and so he he asked Kobe does he get any credit for making it as often as he has for making it eight straight times for making it nine in total and he said you know me come on man and then did and Howard says that he did a minute off the record about how you know basically to the effect of come on we're not we're, we're not doing finals appearances we're doing rings and he said that you know rings has consistently been the way that he's measured himself and players in the league but to me right. the thing that I don't understand is how the Kobe stands can play any role or how Kobe can play any kind of role in this when the Lakers have not won a playoff game since 2012 it's been six years since they've won a playoff game they got swept at Andrew Bynum season in 2013 when he was an embarrassment and got ejected in that last game against San Antonio like that's the last time they made the playoffs and so I feel like Los Angeles 
has been bad for long enough that, for me, if you're a Lakers fan, is your concern really about your loyalty to Kobe Bryant? Or is it about, I just want to see my team win again. This is a franchise. I support the Lakers, at least in part, because consistently I know my team is going to win. Not as a chance to win, they're going to win. And LeBron still of any player in the league gives a team the best chance to do that. So I don't know how Kobe at all factors into the math of LeBron to, to LA. Well, here, let me just respond to that. And you're right. I did forget. That was the one piece I was missing was the Howard Beck piece. I knew there was one more in there somewhere where he, yeah, he did that conversation with him and Jalen and Chauncey and Kobe and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's fascinating in this regard. And you're asking me why I think you brought up the point. Why wouldn't Kobe want LeBron there? Cause you would want the franchise to win because Kobe doesn't want LeBron in LA because <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't want him there. I, I, I'm saying more of the fans though. If you're if you're a Lakers fan, is your deference really to Kobe? I, I don't know how you could still six years on from winning anything meaningful really care about Kobe Bryant's legacy with the team. Man, people do, Chris. I, I can't explain it, but they do. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just it's hard. I, I mean, look, maybe I would have felt weird, right? If um, when Dan Marino retired, if someone would have just come in in 2000 and or 2001 or whatever, mm-hmm. and then, or even just within a few years and won a Super Bowl, right? Like, I don't know, that would have felt weird, you know? Look, I went through this with, to some extent. Now, again, not apples to apples comparisons, right? But I grew up a Yankee fan and I grew up a Don Mattingly fan, which I'm sure many Marlins fans out there going, how can anyone be a Don Mattingly fan right now? No, I was too, um, I was too George. I mean, I think a lot of us were in New York. So I, I, I loved Don Mattingly. And then they went, they, fought, they had never gone to the playoffs while he was there. They finally went to the playoffs in 95. They lost in a five-game epic series to Seattle and Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson and those guys. And then they won the World Series the year after he retired. Like, it was like, and that was awful. Like, I didn't know how to feel. Like, it was so weird. So I think I can sort of understand, even though it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, how the Lakers fan would feel because they've been brought up to hate LeBron because he's the guy that they're supposed to hate because he's the threat to Kobe. At least he was back then. And now he's surpassed Kobe, and Kobe is not having any of that. So, of course, they're going to feel weird about the whole thing. Yeah, they're just not rational about it. It's completely irrational. Again, like I said, the stats don't matter, but you're right. The the thing with Mattingly, and I was in the same boat because I I loved Mattingly, and then you're right, and then 1996 – they end up having one of the greatest seasons of all time. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, Jeter is there and Jeter just replaced Mattingly. And now I feel like Yankee fans are always going to feel that way about Jeter. Like if you get to the world series, you win a world series without Jeter. Yeah. Uh, it's not the same as it was before, but I see this. I, but again, I, I just wonder if LeBron wants to deal with this because I've told this story on another pod, but it's worth telling again now. Uh, they, well, by the way, the Yankee scenario I mean, played out in real time with Jeter with A-Rod. <laughs> you <Yes>. know? So. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, no, it, it did. And, and I'm, you know, look, LeBron is incredibly competitive about Kobe. And there's great respect. Obviously, they never played against each other in the finals. They did the whole puppet thing. They were close. And Dwight Howard and Orlando kind of screwed that whole thing up, right, by beating LeBron's Cavs in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I just wonder if he wants to deal with that because – it's just going to be really hard for him to create a legacy, as you said, 
at age 34, 35, 36, 37. And Chris has made a point on a previous pod, and I, I thought this was a really good point, the, the pod we did with Buker. This may not be LeBron's last show. Like, there could be another move after this. And Chris was saying that maybe the ultimate move is to play with his son somewhere. And so I, I don't know if, if he wants to spend the next three, four years being compared by way of championships, right? Because he's already being compared by way of championships to Jordan. So now he wants to go out to L.A. and be compared to championships from Kobe and championships by Magic and championships by Kareem. Like, it seems to me like Philadelphia is the easier path in that way. They haven't won in 25 years, George. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but I just, everything I hear is that it's L.A. Whether it's, you know, there's that story that was out there about entertainment sources saying it. You know, whether Gary Payton saying that his kids are going to enroll in school at Sierra Canyon, uh, the school where Marvin Bagley just went to, and where Kenyon Martin Jr. and Scottie Pippen Jr. go. <laughs> so, look, I think LeBron is still weighing all those options out. But I'm with you in the sense of it would be easier in theory, I think, in Philly because of that. But I think that there's something to be said about playing for the crown jewel of the NBA. And the Lakers are the Yankees. The Celtics may have more titles, but the Lakers are the Yankees. They move the needle unlike any other team. And that's generally when it comes to TV ratings and things of that sort. That's the reality of it because people... All over the country grew up Laker fans, much like they had Yankee fans. When the Lakers come to Miami, there's always a ton of Laker fans in the crowd. And that's pretty much everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's always a ton of Laker fans. So I think that there is something to be said about that, much like A-Rod felt that way about becoming a Yankee. So these guys, they, they want to feel like there's a certain chapter of their life takes on a completely different meaning. And if you're LeBron... Even though you may get looked at as a mercenary, I think that he doesn't care. Like, he moves to his own beat. And he's got so many interests outside of sports now that life becomes a lot easier for those interests if you're in Los Angeles. So if we're going to sit here and say that Kobe throwing shade at him could be a factor, then you can't dismiss the fact that he's got TV shows, movies in the works, and all that stuff, and that L.A. is the entertainment capital of the world. Look, it helped Shaq. And Shaq was as big a star as anyone, even in Orlando. So I just think that all those things, plus magic, I mean, it all makes sense. And the fact that players want to go to L.A., kind of like you started, right? L.A. is a real threat again, unlike it had been in previous years. I think all that weighs more than, all right, a Philly team where Savannah may not want to live in Philly. The family doesn't want, may not want to be there, right? That's my understanding, is that the family may not want to be in Philly. I've heard this. And, and family, he said it's going to be a, a part of the priority, on the priority list here. So, and Dwayne reiterated that uh, when he talked to Karan and Chris Mannix a couple of weeks ago. So, look, they like it here. The kids like it here. Savannah likes it here. They own two, well, I think they got rid of the one house, the one that was disparaged with that ridiculous racial epithet. And then they bought a bigger house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like nobody buys, you know, $40 million worth of property as like their second and third homes. Like, you know what I mean? Like even rich people don't, no man, even rich people don't do that that often, you know? Like, come on. Here at the Five Reasons Sports Network, we like working with advertisers who we believe in. And I can tell you how important my daughter is to me and how important her learning is to me. So here's a little story. My daughter, who will be four next month, has grown up in a bilingual household, so she's already fluent in English and Spanish. But we wanted to expose her to a third language because children find it easier to learn a language than adults do. So in January, she started taking Mandarin at Berlitz Broward for kids and teens in Pembroke Pines, and she absolutely loves it. They offer 
age-appropriate private and group. They offer age-appropriate private and group classes in nearly a dozen languages, and they teach at the students' pace while making it fun. Their native fluent instructors are specially trained in the Berlitz conversational method. Sasha now counts to 50, knows all the colors and fruits and animals, and she even sings Moana songs in Mandarin in the car. Berlitz Broward is open Monday to Saturday and can be reached at 954-743-0077 and found at berlitzbroward.com. Just say that Five Reasons sent you and you'll get 25% off registration. Again, that's 954-743-0077, berlitzbroward.com. All right, look, we're going we're gonna to spin through these next three a little bit sooner. I knew we would spend a lot of time on, on the Lakers and the Heat. So let's get to these three. Greg Popovich, I liken this a little bit to what happened with, with Pat and LeBron and to a certain extent with Dwayne, where yeah. we, just, we just assume that because somebody has this kind of credibility that they're going to connect with every star. And just because we saw Phil do it with Jordan and then obviously Phil did it to a certain extent with Kobe. The Pop Kawhi thing to me is fascinating because – Kawhi was the Spursiest Spur, right? Like he was Duncan too. And for it not to work for him there, if you're pop, I, I think what he's got to be careful of, George, is, is not to do something spiteful, right? Like, because I, I felt like a little bit of what the Heat have gone through the past four years was out of spite. It was, we're going to prove to LeBron that we can make the playoffs without him. And they've tried to make all these moves to do that. And so if you're pop now, what, what do you do? I mean, we, we talked a little about where he could send him. Do you try to compete? Do you start to sort of head for the exit and figure out who your successor is going to be? What direction does Popovich go? My understanding is that Pop would like to retire after the 2020 Olympics, um, so which he'll be the coach of. So, yeah, I think that the successor thing has to be at least in play here, which is why I think that LeBron, you know, initially people thought maybe that LeBron could go to San Antonio and play for Pop. Well, now without Kawhi, that's definitely not happening. But I think part of it is, you know, people don't assume Pop is going to be around that much longer. And especially now that he lost his wife, right? Like, I mean, he's going through a very tough time. So look, I think that Pop can make a tough mistake here. And it could happen very easily, as you mentioned with Pat, when he signed Luol Deng, which was, you know, an okay contract or whatever, but you know, he made the comments, right? He's the greatest signing or something ridiculous like that. What was it he said exactly about Luol's signing? One of the most important signings in Miami Heat history. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, stop. <laughs> you know? Like, that stuff is ridiculous. So I can see Pop making this bad decision of just trading him to the East, except here's the thing. What if Kawhi tells Boston, right? Boston has the best assets. We, we agree on that. Mm -hmm. So what if Boston says, all right, that's fine, but he, if he's not going to sign here long term and we don't have any assurances, we're not giving you anything. Like we're giving you, maybe we'll give you Jalen Brown um, and some cap filler like Marcus Morris or whatever, but that's it. Like you're not getting the Sacramento pick or the Memphis pick or anything like that. Um, so like, how does that help you if you're San Antonio? Um, like, I just think that they're there. And again, that's even assuming that Boston would be even willing to give up that <laughs> in that scenario for a rental. I, they have the most assets to play with. So they could, you know, potentially take a bigger chance than anyone else because they they have a glutton of guys at the wing. And Jalen Brown's minutes are probably going to be reduced some because Gordon Hayward will be back and, and obviously Tatum is playing so well. Um, but there's going to have to be some juggling there by Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge. But I just think that Pop is limiting himself. And because of that, he's going to find himself in a really tough spot. And right, the ending may not be what we expected it to be because of that. And hell, we spent the first half hour of this podcast 
talking about Pat Riley and kind of the mess he's gotten himself in. And I could absolutely see Pop doing something similar. Hopefully he learns from afar from what happened with Pat, because I, I do agree with Ethan. I think that those situations are somewhat similar. To me, looking at the at the Kawhi situation, like I feel the same way as did about the Paul George thing, which was to me you hold an auction with twenty nine teams and see who gives you the best trade offer. Because while it did work out for the Pacers in the end, right? Everyone was saying at the time what a disaster of a trade that was, but it seems like they got a superstar for a superstar and a superstar on a really good contract who's going to be there for, for the long haul in Victor Oladipo. No one could have seen it coming at the time. But to me, you hold an auction, and I think you just say, like, look, obviously these big NBA teams, these big, these big NBA personalities have egos, and Pops maybe is fractured right now from Kawhi not wanting to be there and trying to force his way out. And, you know, his uncle is the one that's pulling the strings on all this. But for me, you cannot get that kind of sort of proud and egotistical in these situations. You have to get the best you can in return. Kawhi is a really valuable asset. And if you say to all 29 teams, hey, give me your best offer and I'll send him to you, like, I think you can get something really good in return. Maybe another superstar back in return because he's that valuable, even without the assurances of a long-term deal. So I, I don't understand when teams say, I don't want to trade within my conference or whatever. Like, you're going to play everybody at least twice anyway. I, I don't know what difference it makes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's just stupid. I don't understand why people do that. But you know what? I know we mentioned Gary Payton earlier. I had Gary Payton on the radio show today, and I, I asked him that. I said, what do you make of what Pop's doing? He's like, I'm with Pop. I'm old school. I ain't trading him in within the conference. Like, the hell with that. I don't have to see him and have him kick my butt. And I was trying to make the case that you were making. I'm like, dude, you're only going to play him three or four times, you know? And then maybe and maybe you'll see him in the playoffs. Like, you don't even know that either. Like, that's the other thing. So it, it just – I don't get it, man. Like, I don't get this stuff. And, and when you factor in the way that things have gone in San Antonio – and, Ethan, I'll take it a step further from what you said earlier – about they thought they had Duncan 2.0. I feel like the Spurs as a franchise feel like they have a stranglehold on their players. And Mm -hmm. Kawhi particularly heard a lot of, oh, you know, he's so good in that system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that system really highlighted what he did. And I think him and his uncle and those guys, beyond the stuff about the trust with the doctors, which is clearly number one on the list, right? Because he feels like he's been misdiagnosed twice. They had like a wrist thing and then obviously this whole quad injury. But I think it's part of the thing, excuse me, is that Kawhi is a top five player and he keeps hearing about the system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, wait a second, I can go anywhere and be this good. Like it doesn't have to be just with Pop. Like, yeah, Pop's great at what he does, but I'm really damn good at what I do too. And I think part of the motivation is that on top of the fact that Kawhi, because it's San Antonio, hasn't gotten maybe some of the endorsement opportunities his uncle feels like he deserves or and that's why a big market would help them and so on and so forth. I think that Pop and the Spurs, RC and those guys completely underestimated what Kawhi was capable of. And if anything, that's more reflective on them than anything. It's not reflective on Kawhi. Like you've had him all these years. You should know what his deep inner thoughts are, even though the rest of us on the outside don't know because he's so guarded and whatnot and quiet. But you're around him every day. Like, how the hell do you not know what his mindset is? Yeah, it's a strange situation, and you're right. I mean, if if Popovich doesn't handle it right, they could head the other direction. I I can't believe how many wins they got out of that roster last year. Frankly. Forty-seven. It's it, unreal. It's amazing. I mean, to resurrect Lamarcus Aldridge the way they did, to have Parker and Ginobili near the end, and to still do that. 
want to introduce you to the newest podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. It is a soccer podcast. It's called Pitch Invasion. My name is Chris Whittingham. I'll be hosting it throughout the World Cup, and then we'll continue after the World Cup. But right now, we're focused on the World's Tournament. It is 32 teams battling it out for one trophy. I'll be recapping the games basically after every two days' worth of action. So every other day, we'll be putting on a podcast, recapping all the latest action, talking about all the major storylines. We'll get some guests on, and we'll have a great time talking about this World Cup. It's been really fun so far, so you're going to want to check out Pitch Invasion. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's move quickly to two more guys here. We've touched on it a little bit with Danny Ainge and a couple of factors at play here. Uh, One is, as you mentioned, Kyrie Irving is up in 2019. He's not committing to an extension. I I can tell you from covering him a little bit, he's and not just the flat earth stuff, but he's just an eccentric. I mean, he's he's it's difficult to get a handle on what exactly drives him, I think. And what he's aloof. Aloof is big time. Yeah, no question. I mean, I when I when I got to Cleveland that year, the previous year, like I heard nobody in that locker room had his phone number. Like it's just he's he's different in terms of uh, the way that he approaches these things. And now obviously he's going to be a movie star and he's got a lot of other things going on. Right. And he was, he was not fitting in. He was fitting out at the time. Yes. Correct. Correct. And then, right. And then, uh, and then you've got Hayward coming back. So when we've talked to other people on the pod here, um, both Nikias Duncan and Rick Buecher kind of said, just roll it back. Just see how these five players look together because we haven't seen it yet. Uh, If your age is, is that if you're not going to get Kawhi, is that your best play? Just just to roll back these five guys? Yeah, I think if anything, you're showcasing Kyrie, right? Because let's face it, Kyrie's also been a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries, right? Like this isn't the first time uh, he's had a knee injury. <laughs> um, and you're kind of wondering what's he going to look like? Uh, maybe not to the extent of Kawhi, but it's not like he didn't – what did he miss, 40 games? Like that's a lot. <laughs> so I think you almost have to roll it back and run it back because if you do want to trade Kyrie at the deadline, which I think, you know, I don't think Danny Ainge is above doing, um, you have to have people see him and, and see what he's, what he's made of and what he's got. Um, and if he's healthy. So yeah, I think that that's absolutely the case. I think that's what you do. I think you try to get Kawhi if you can make it work. Um, and because if you can get Kawhi, I mean, that team all of a sudden can win a championship. And even though I do think Danny Ainge, who's always playing the long game is eyeing Anthony Davis, uh, as much as anyone. Um, but I've also heard there's a lot of teams that are in Anthony Davis. You and I both know Pat would love Anthony Davis. You and I both know the Warriors would love Anthony Davis in 2021. Um, but Danny is, I, you know, my understanding is that's the guy that he feels like really can kind of set them apart um, and, and can kind of keep them going for a long, keep this thing going for a long, long time and they can sustain winning championships uh, potentially with him. But yeah, like I, I would run it back. Why the hell not? Like you didn't see anything. Like you, would you get a half? Uh, of Gordon Hayward <laughs> it was like you a know? quarter and a half wasn't it <laughs> not even right not even right yeah of course you're in such a good position you're like you know I mean they have like their cupboard is so full like I they don't they have so many guys that they can play that it's going to be really difficult to find the minutes for all of them like in essence I think this could be Brad Stevens's toughest year and I think look he's arguably the best right now at it um, because of that, I think managing the egos is going to be, is going to be somewhat difficult, especially as those young guys got a taste of being, uh, the man, uh, in, in those situations this past season. 
All right, let's close now with the Houston Rockets. And for me, they're kind of an interesting proposition because of the teams in the Kevin Durant era, they're the one that have really the only one that have given the Golden State any kind of challenge. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they view to be as their opportunity for because I don't think Daryl Morey is someone who stays satisfied with his team so obviously they're going to try and get in the LeBron game for me it's gonna be really hard for them to actually pull that off and so I don't know what they do if they just roll it back certainly they can feel aggrieved about not having Chris Paul healthy in game seven but do you give him the mega extension that I think a lot of people view to be dangerous given his years and injury history in the league so I don't know what Houston does what do you think they should do George well I, clearly they're going to go after LeBron sure I think that they could potentially pull it off even without trading Ryan Anderson. Um, if, but it would mean LeBron would have to opt in, which would have to happen here pretty soon. Um, and then they could trade some sort of package of like PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon and picks and whatnot uh, to make that happen. Now, I, I think, you know, Cleveland could do better than that. Um, even though everyone knows LeBron is leaving, maybe, maybe not. Right. But I seem to think they can do better than that. If that, if they went that route with LeBron opting in and then giving them permission to trade him. Um, if not, yeah, I, you have to give Chris Paul the max. You know why? Because I still think that Chris Paul could end up with LeBron somewhere. Now I don't think it, I don't think it's likely, but I think it's been discussed. Like when you think, try to think, Mark Stein reported that Chris Paul was already recruiting LeBron. You don't think LeBron was recruiting him back, potentially? <laughs> you know, and it may not be in Houston. So if you're Daryl Morey, you're going to have to show Chris Paul the love. Because if you don't, he may just leave your franchise. And then you're back to square one with James Harden and a bunch of role players. So I, I don't know how that's going to work. And by the way, what are your role players going to look like when Trevor Ariza could be a Golden State Warrior? So if you're Moray, you're almost kind of backed into a corner of having to give Chris the money that he wants. Unless LeBron is committing and then Chris will be willing to take a haircut. Uh, he'd have to at least cut his salary by 8 or $9 million per season uh, to make that happen and make the math work. But yeah, like that... I don't think he has much of a choice. Do you guys? No, no, I, I don't. I, I think he probably has to pay him. I, I, you know, one of the issues here is that, you know, because of the way that Paul did his contract last year, that Houston dumped a lot of sort of decent low price assets a year ago, right? Like they, they sent away guys like what Lou Williams and Sam Decker. I mean, there were like five or six different pieces. So Maury doesn't have as much to move now is, is part of the problem. I've been looking at it with the Ryan Anderson contract. I sort of feel like he's going to need to move that. I don't know exactly how he pulls that off. Although he has pulled off trickier things than that. I, he's kind of a paradox to me a little bit, George, because I mean, he's the big analytics guy, right? Like he, he has been sort of the hero. Plus he talks to the media a lot so that, that the media likes him because he talks to the media a lot. And obviously he's had a lot of success in Houston and has really built the program, but he's the big analytics guy, but yet it's really always with him been about going after the big fish. It's not necessarily about maximizing, you know, sort of more middling talent, which is, is what, you know, you see with analytics a lot, you know, he's, I mean, he's made no secret. He made he made the big push for Dwight Howard, right? Like that didn't really work. Then he made the big push for Chris Paul. Clearly, the Harden trade worked. Um, I, I sort of feel like we're going to look back at what happened with Chris Paul uh, this past Western Conference Finals and say that was as close as that team is going to get, uh, you know, at, at any point. Um, I, I think they just they had terrible luck. I don't know that they would have won the series anyway. But I don't know. I, to me, what, the more I watch them in the playoffs, George, and I know they almost beat Golden State, but the, way, the style of play that they play, 
how reliant they are on Harden, who, as we know, doesn't always show up big in the biggest games. Like, if they don't get LeBron, I don't know that you can necessarily bring back Chris Paul. I don't know that you can necessarily say pencil them into the Western Conference Finals. I think it's going to be tougher. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think it's easier because he's one year older, um, you know, and and he's had the injuries. Although he held up pretty well this season, um, you know, during the season until obviously the moment of truth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's tough with Daryl um, because you know who he is. You know who Daryl is. Daryl is Theo Epstein, right? Daryl uh, Theo took the money ball, uh, the Billy Bean money ball, and just took it to Boston and decided, oh, yeah, I've got a lot of money I can play with here. So I don't need to go and get every single value. Um, plus, basketball is a little different. He realized very quickly that you need stars to win. The analytics tend to work out um, mostly with your role players, I think, more than anything else in that sport. Um, and Maury figured that out. But, yeah, I, I don't think they're penciled in by any stretch of the imagination. Look, if LeBron ends up in the Western Conference, they may be a second-round team again. <laughs> so. Like, and if you're Daryl, is that enough, right? Could you get to the second round with just James Harden, a bunch of role players? Maybe. So, so maybe you don't bring back Chris in that scenario because of that, because you say to yourself, I, I may not be good enough to beat whatever LeBron constructs in LA, if that's where he goes and beat the Warriors. Now I happen to think that Daryl doesn't think that way just yet, but I think it has to be at least in the back of his mind. All right, let's wrap this thing up here. Uh, so just sort of a, a one or two word answer, George. LeBron ends up where? The Lakers. Paul George ends up where? The Lakers. Kawhi ends up where? L- listen to the naked self-interest uh, of these I, answers. I, I, I know he's thinking this. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Kawhi, I, I, here's where Kawhi ends up. Philly. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do, 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 you you think, we, do you think it takes Simmons or Embiid, or do you think it just takes maybe Fultz, Sarich, and a first? Fultz, Fultz Sarich, and a first, I think is as good. Uh, and... Let's not forget, Brett Brown worked for Popovich. Yeah, I know. Sure. I, I, we've discussed that in the pod. I think that plays into it. If he really wants to not trade him to a team that he hates or trade him in the Western Conference, then trading him to a protege makes the most sense. Is, so, and Peter, Peter Holt, is still is he still tight with Mickey? You know, maybe Mickey can give him a call. Yeah, I, it's going to take more than that. Peter Holt, I, is, is, I thought I read somewhere Peter Holt was getting divorced. And I think that that plays a role in some of, these, uh, in some of the stuff about the Supermax. Well, you see, and again, you're getting into that because you're familiar with the Dodgers situation and how that played out with uh, right with McCourt. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't play out that way for San Antonio. All right, you can follow him uh, at ESPN. I don't even think we introduced that here at the beginning, but everybody, oh, yeah. everybody knows where you are these days. ESPN Los Angeles in the morning. Uh, also, find him on television. You'll check him out occasionally on uh, uh, what's the damn name? Eleven Show. I always forget. Well, he's on when the, is this? Uh, when is this airing? When is this airing? Right Wednesday. Uh, probably, uh, probably Wednesday. Probably Wednesday. Well, if you if that's the case, then on Wednesday you could always just go on the ESPN app and watch me on the Jump on Tuesday because they're on demand. Um, which I'm sure you're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot about this. Um, and then on thir- on Wednesday, might as well just pump all this up now. On Wednesday, we I'll be up this after the fact, so it's okay. Keep going. Oh, thanks. <laughs> on Wednesday, between seven and eight Eastern, I'll be on the ESPN uh, NBA Draft Preview Show on ESPN Two. And then on Thursday, I will be in Philly with Brett Brown because I'm covering the uh, Sixers draft for the uh, draft that'll be airing on ESPN television beginning at seven on Thursday. I'll be the embedded reporter with the process. You're going to be the Sal Palantonio of the process. 
Yeah, Sal Palantonio gets – he ain't getting this gig, all right? They got me flying there, Sal Pal. You stick with the Eagles, all right? <laughs> we'll see what kind of burner account you come up with. All right, that's George Sedano. Follow him, as always. You can check out all our other podcasts on Podbean, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Play. Thank you, George. We might have you back a third time. All right. You got it. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.